0: welcome back to the cherry picking podcast this is iggy this is donnie and filling in for dylan today this week's last minute special guest he was once orange now he's cherry and white He's got strong views on an infield shift and even stronger glutes, right? Whoa. And he's a big fan of 4AM strolls on Myrtle Beach. It's Jimmy <laughs> Mauer. <laughs> Jimmy Mauer. I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, you're saying that correctly. I appreciate you stopping by on Thank such you, Jimmy short notice.
1: No problem, boys. Glad to be here. This ought to be a good one.
0: Today's agenda is as follows. A lot, of these, a lot has been said about the NFL draft that's been going on as we speak currently as of recording in round five of the NFL draft, but we don't really want to repeat that because you got your experts and we're not necessarily draft experts. However, Donna has a small rant, about one particular aspect of the draft that he has a disdain for. We're we'll also be talking about Nick Saban. Is he a Neanderthal? He may be, apparently has not used technology before. Um, we're gonna comment about how old he might actually be. And there's also been some comments uh, and reactions to the Red Sox punishments that have been dealt out, and we're going to comment you know, our own takes on those and how stupid we think Rob Manfred actually is. We're uh, also going to touch on the NHL because they want to finish the season, but they don't really have a solution. So we're going to comment about what they're going to potentially do, and we're also going to comment about what European soccer has already done. And they've made some big moves, as well as some other odds and ends, like usual. But as you know, we have our sponsor today, which is... <coughs> Nobody other than our unofficial sponsor of Bang Energy. As always, if you'd like to sponsor us, please shoot us an email at cherrypickingpod at gmail.com. Bang Energy. So, Don watched the WNBA draft last week. About eight days ago. He was yeah. a correspondent for that. And it was his job... To compare it to this draft, what 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 worked, what didn't? Do you have any any remarks on that before you get into your 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 rant?
2: Uh, I mean, like with the WNBA drafts, in which it was going to be, you know, there there were things that were going to go wrong because it was virtual for the first time. Uh, the NFL also kind of embraced that it wasn't going to be perfect, and they did the best that they could have done, um, in given the circumstances. I the first round moved a lot. Well again, the NFL draft still takes way too long. Um even with you know it being virtual and all that stuff. The 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 draft started at eight round one, but pick one came in at 8 30, even though everyone knew that Joe Burrow was gonna go number one um to Cincinnati. And then the first round moved quicker after that. But it still took a little bit too long. And then I just have some funny things I thought ESPN did. Um Jeff Okuda, who went third overall to the Lions, Uh, ESPN basically celebrated him for having, for being, uh, like a scholar academically for finishing with a 3.0 GPA at Ohio State. Oof. Oof. (laughs) And and a 3.0 is like the bare minimum for a college student.
0: That's the get degrees kind of thing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Chase Young's probably sitting there, and he goes second, also from Ohio State. I finished with like a 3.3. (laughs) <laughs> Where, where's my celebration? I just thought that was funny. Um, Roger Goodell uh, was. I don't like Roger Goodell, but but the way that Roger Goodell broadcasted this draft from his from his house, I thought it was pretty comical. Especially last night when he moved from standing up to sitting back in his chair and <laughs> showing no emotion when the picks were came in. Uh, he's also the worst hype man on the face of the earth with all the fans behind him. As those were pre recorded as well and he's hyping them up and telling them to get louder and boom. And, and it's
0: pre recorded.
2: And it's all pre recorded. And even sometimes they couldn't even get all the slots filled in for fans. <laughs> like the Chargers and the Chiefs didn't have enough fans the Chargers don't
0: have enough fans in the first place, but the Chiefs I yeah. would imagine have at least at least sixteen.
2: Um way too many talking heads in between picks. I know that the NFL network and the ESPN bit like collabed for this, but Michael Irvin didn't need to be there. Um, Kurt Warner didn't barely even need did it to be feel there.
0: like to you it was adequately filling the time or did you feel like it was just wasting time
2: I thought it was wasting time I thought you need you you could have had uh, because Todd McShay wasn't there because he's unfortunately recovering from coronavirus you should have had uh, Mel Kiper uh, Daniel Jeremiah who's always who's really smart uh, Lewis Riddick who's one of the smartest uh, analysts on TV and then one guy to, to you know, Kurt Warner to analyze quarterbacks. You didn't need uh, Booger McFarland. I think you McFarland always McFarland. need Booger McFarland. No, no, I think, you, I, think if, I think
0: you scrap you scrap the entire draft and you, and you scrap Roger Goodell. You just have Booger doing the whole thing.
2: No, yeah, no, you is, don't need you yeah. don't need Booger. You, you don't need Booger, Booger. nobody Booger. needs Booger. No, Given Booger the... Booger is why ESPN hired Booger McFarland. I don't know. Booger says a lot of things. To make him sound smart. So did John Madden back in the day. And it's just, yeah, but John Madden is one of the best coaches of all time. Like.
0: And Booger is one of the best Boogers of all time. I don't know what you <laughs> I don't know what your argument is.
2: Booger McFarland, Booker, <laughs> Booker says way too many words, and it just makes I, I, I lose brain cells when he's analyzing these picks. So hardless, but hardless yeah, way too many, don't have, but okay. way too way too many talking heads. They had, I think, like seven or eight people, probably, or six, and they needed maybe three or four. Um, way too much time in between picks. Pick was in. Probably, you know, 30 seconds after another pick was in, and then they'd wait three minutes because they'd still be talking about the pick before, and then they'd go to commercial and then they'd have to come back. From and what that's what I just, saw. That's, the not, first I'm round, not... before before you go, the first round does not need to take three and a half hours. It doesn't need to take three and a half
0: hours. Yeah, it, it shouldn't have, especially this no. year. It shouldn't have. The one thing I did see, I, I caught pit to the draft. Because I don't oftentimes just watch in between.
2: Oh, I never, I never do. Too much, forever.
0: But yeah, there's. Uh, but I, got, I, got, I get big bits and bits and pieces. And what I saw, it seemed like Roger Goodell was trying to hide the fact that he has way too much money. It seemed like they were trying to find the camera angles in his house that showed. Yeah, no, he is a commissioner and he does do football related things. Um, but no, this dude, this dude doesn't have like billions. Not billions, but he's not. He's not. You know, making making eight figures or anything. He's not. That's not crazy. He was trying to find parts of his house. That seemed more you know more less affluent than he actually is and it, still, to looked, him, and
2: it still looked very And it still
0: look, it still looked because look, I knew this probably which is whatever you know he's
2: more. he's you know rich he, he deserves everything for the amount of money he's made, but we don't like him yeah, uh,
0: you know i I would say he made he makes way too much money. oh,
2: he does make way too much money. He, but okay. I'd say
0: he deserves everything for the amount of money he makes I don't even know how how I
2: misspoke I misspoke he. He he got to where he he is today through hard work and whatever, but I we don't like him as a commissioner. Still and a he, terrible commissioner. And he and he does make too much money. Um, that's what I meant to say. Um, yeah. I mean, one, but- the one good thing about the draft that I actually liked was that there were no interviews in between picks. Really, I thought that would have just taken way too much time.
0: You but commented again, on that with regards to the WNBA. You thought the WNBA had two many stale interviews. Yeah. I after thought it was after way too picks. many stale
2: interviews. Um, and, you know, that's just like Holly Rowe can't help but ask the same questions over and over. And I think it was good that the NFL combated that, I guess. Um, you know, would I rather, it, it's kind of a, a, a toss up whether I would hear, you know the same three or four guys talking for ten minutes on one pick, or would I rather hear an interview? Um, so I I think they and just should have cut down both. Be, um, be
0: neither, yeah, I yeah, gotcha. Neither.
2: Um, but yeah. Um, that's I mean, they were I, like
0: everybody's used to this, this draft being like three four hours long, and we can't just make it shorter because then everybody's going to be mad that it's not three four hours long. So yeah. we got to we got to find ways to make it three to four hours long. When in yeah. actuality, everybody wanted it to be shorter.
2: Yeah, and and honestly though, I think. A Hot take. I feel like the NFL draft should just be virtual every year. Uh, I think it was better virtual. I still think it takes too long, but I, I thought it was better than the in-person draft, personally. Um, I don't know if you guys right.
0: Dylan probably that. had some remarks about that, but
2: yeah, I
1: Dylan. hear Dylan's Dillon, thoughts about Dillon it. Dylan
2: would probably disagree with me.
1: Well, the thing with that is that the NFL will never do that just because it brings in so much money every year. That's, and it's, yeah. yeah. yeah and That's if It's practical. It's kind of just like a if, a, if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality. Like they're still going to make money on the draft every year because people are still going to come and watch, but that's it, the only
0: thing that's not broke is the money it is broke the whole the whole thing's broken
1: yeah, but the, the money's it, not broke. so the money's not broke, so it doesn't really matter to them
0: it's like it's like if it's like it is broke, should we fix it, and all of a sudden it's just blinded by blinded by green <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyway. I have
2: my rant now
0: yeah. don Don likes to talk about Don doesn't like to talk about tragedy but he will talk about tragedy here
2: I don't like to talk about tragedy and I don't think the NFL should like to talk about tragedy either I know Jimmy has some thoughts on this too but but I'll, but I'll go first um, so the NFL basically I was looking through Twitter last night um, and the end and Twitter was going obviously going nuts um, over the draft this guy I apologize if I'm pronouncing his name wrong uh zito mandu he writes for sb nation um zito, zito madu um he writes for sb nation and it's kind of the same thing over and over like the nfl uh it's using this the nfl is using you know the the tragic stories of these players um basically you know for publicity because this is what they do and they're you know going into these interviews asking these players to tell their most tragic stories possible because that's what they want to hear and that's what makes them happy. But, you know, oh, you know, this guy's dad died because he slipped on gravel and got hit by a truck, but he's going to be this good of a linebacker, you know? Like, ha- like that doesn't, like, why? Like, I don't want to, like, like, yeah, I feel terrible for all these guys right? they have, that they have all this tragedy. I don't need to know. Do
0: you team, the players want them to know either?
2: Some, some... I don't know, but some do, some probably don't. I don't know, some more than others are not. But I don't need to know that T. Higgins' mom fought drug addiction for 16 years. That's a completely personal thing.
0: I feel like that's something that, that the player should have said first. I, should, I shouldn't be at the liberty of the, the league of these, you know, these sports commentators to say these things for the player should Correct. it be the player's choice whether or not they want to share that information sure
2: sure sure the player might not want to share it but the NFL i feel like the NFL just forces these stories out of these guys sometimes because it's every single guy or almost every single guy that gets drafted there's a tragic story about their life and it's just like i, I, I don't know i th- i think it's wrong um i think i i read an article from this guy Zito and i think it relates when Isaiah Thomas's uh sister died um before the before a playoff game and all the cameras are on him and everything like can we give isaiah thomas a break from the cameras please and just let him um like let him be upset like let him be sad i don't like i don't i don't want to see this guy grieve because i feel bad for him like i don't think
0: they just need something that's going to make people like a little bit more interested they're fiends yeah It's it's like blood in the water it's, yeah. They're gonna, they're the moment they smell a little bit of blood, like, oh my god, we all need to congregate around this one thing, right? This one tragic event because it's gonna make people listen, it's gonna make people pay attention more.
2: Yeah, and it's 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 ignorant <clears throat> of the NFL to do this, to you know, like you said, some guys, you know, might make the call on their own to, no, to, it's, to, it's to tell dis- these stories it's or not, but, it, but it's disrespectful, it's, disrespectful. it's disrespectful. disrespectful, yes, it's disrespectful for the NFL you know, these guys probably come in for these interviews and, and they're like, um, tell me your most tragic story.
0: Well, like, I, I think for the, for the interviews, what? I mean, there was times I know for the NBA draft when they did interviews, the players would voluntarily sometimes speak about, you know, kind of their upbringing, where they came from and stuff. It was kind of yeah. on their own. It kind of made them who they are. And that's great. I love those stories. And I feel like for a lot of these players, these tragic stories do obviously, you know, help mold who they are today. Right, it's hard to for them to just not be affected by these by by these these occurrences. What's happened, but it's on the player to bring it up when they choose to, if they choose to, right? And if they come, and there shouldn't be, you know, a obviously sports commentators doing it for them, putting words in their mouths essentially, and there shouldn't also be leading questions and interviews about this stuff. It's just because you know they say people people want to hear this because it's it's drama. Let's make sure we can get it out of him at the sake of his you out know, of sake of his integrity, out of the sake of the respect for this individual, out of sake of, you know, his sanity at times. Yeah. I mean,
2: and a bunch of it's just some uh, your parents, this is a tweet last night. your parents got to be former athletes or dead to play professional football. Um, that's one thing. Yeah. And then it aligned in this article is and that, and I kind of want to end on this and and go into the next thing, pain should not be recalibrated into a basic sports story like these guys use you know these guys might use uh like take Brett Favre for an example he threw four touchdowns the day after his dad died some guys might use it as motivation right but the whole world doesn't need to know that it it, it doesn't need to be put out to the to the, to the rest of humanity that you know five guys had their this one yeah. guy had his cousin killed by lightning like, i don't want to
0: hear here i want to hear jim's thoughts on this too but i if if, if years down the line r- r- with regards to the brett Favre um, tidbit that you mentioned if brett if brett came out or Favre came out and said hey you know that game i threw four touchdowns a few years back uh my dad actually passed away just before that game if he said later after the fact when he was comfortable he felt like he just wanted to you know share it sure if some players feel comfortable sharing it the moment it happens more power to them but I don't imagine a lot of people like that I feel like a lot of people kind of want to be in their own thoughts for those kind of things want to be with their friends and their family they don't yeah, want to th- be with I love Doris Burke they don't want to be with Doris Burke asking them the
1: questions yeah I think part of it too is just the uh the presentation of the information Correct. like Correct. seeing seeing a bullet point oh uh T Higgins mom fought drug addiction for 16 years or oh Jerry Judy's sister died when he was in high school like that seems tactless and uh just not PC but when you have, like, I remember in 2017 during the draft, Tech McKinley, he came yeah. up with, like, a picture of his grandma and was, like, ranting about how his grandma died and it meant everything to him to, like, be drafted first overall. I think that's a – I like, love that. Yeah, the, the power is in the player's hands to present that information. Like, and then I remember two years ago when Joe Buck was talking about uh, James Conner and his cancer uh, battle. He said, no, that kid me. that kid runs like he's faced death. Like, really, Joe? I Come on. It. It's like, slow.
0: I can't tell you every single Steelers game that James and Panthers game that James Conner played that I watched that I've watched, which is pretty much every single one, other than the time that he couldn't play uh, for reasons we won't speak of because we're not going to do that. Um, It was always brought up, even when he was on the field. It was brought up, even when he was on the field. It was brought up, even when he was deep on the bench. It was brought up. It doesn't need to be every single time.
2: Yeah, and and I feel like one more thing. I feel like you know going into these interviews. Uh, some of these college kids who may not be known as much as, you know, the likes of Joe Burrow and Tua, when ESPN asks them, might ask them, you know, tell me your most tragic story. They might feel pressured to put that out so that they, you know, so that they, they, they are, you know, some teams might be more pulled to them because this guy, oh, this guy might have extra motivation because a family member died. And it that's just like, that's like just, it's just it's not, becoming, that's just not cool.
0: It's becoming a pissing contest in terms of tragedy. And it yeah. shouldn't be that way. And yeah. I don't know why it's becoming to kind of look like that with a skewed lens. It's, it's, it's horrendous. Yeah. That's it's horrendous.
2: That's my rant.
0: We'll get, we'll give our remarks on the particular picks and our reactions to the players themselves um, in future weeks after we do our own personal research on, you know, where players go and how their fits are. Uh, but, you know, that's that about how we feel about the virtual draft. Much less important, but still something I want to talk about. Is Mike Vrabel's draft room <laughs> was making his rounds across <laughs> social media? He had, you know, the 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 terrible camera angle, the Titans flag banner John behind him, and two sickly looking bodyguards. It's his two kids. It's his, his yes, two his two
2: sons and his daughter were just like his daughter was sitting on the table. Just, just, and then the, just looking, the one, looking
0: emotionless at times.
2: The one son had the, the mullet and it was, and the other was dressed like Frozone from The Incredibles.
0: <laughs> and it's one of those things that I think that's so much better than trying to dress it up as, you know, this official event. If it's just a laid back thing or your kids are messing around, it's, it feels more natural. Feels that's, more why I,
2: that's why I loved Bill Belichick's War Room. That was awesome. His dog was just, was just sitting there.
0: Yeah, it was just his just, kitchen table. Yeah, nice and laid back. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's those kind of things. I think people, fans, always want to see their players and, and coaches and personnel people off the field, right? They want they want to they want to be reminded that these people are people too, and and they do things that they do, right? And and you know, oh my God, he's just a he's just a normal guy, and these kind of things tie that back in and, and, and bring them down a couple pegs, not in a bad way. I'm saying um, kind of... kind of.
2: It's comedy. Help, it's comical. Help, these,
0: help, the, help the average Joe see eye-to-eye eye with yeah. Bill Belichick.
2: The NFL also... Uh, I don't know if Jimmy has any thoughts on this, but the, the NFL um, has been called the No Fun League in the last few years because they take themselves way too seriously, and I think stuff like that is a great way for them to just have a little fun with it. Um, yeah, I, I see it as that.
1: Well, yeah, going off that too, you can see the same thing in baseball, like uh, these new young players celebrating when they hit home runs and making good plays, and like the old heads are going, "Oh, that's disrespectful to the game." But the, the social media and the environment around sports are evolving, so it's just nice to see something like Mike Rabel being laid back or Bill Belichick. Yeah,
2: yeah, he didn't care about what his kids were doing. Why should he? You know, like it's, it was just funny. I thought, yeah,
0: funny. he's got business to take care
2: of. Yeah. The one dude was in the bathroom in the background.
0: Like kids, be kids did to go, man. I think that like, like Jim was saying, these unwritten rules, whether it's off the field or on the field, right, that kind of make you feel like the game isn't progressing, make you feel like the game is stationary, make you feel like it's stale at times, are things of the past, and they should be things of the past. That was a part of the game at some point. It shouldn't be part of the game now. Individuality, you know, is at the forefront of sports because everybody is 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 different in that sense. I don't know why, you know, especially when it comes to, like you said, the unwritten rules of baseball, but even stuff with regards to the draft. Why try to paint this picture, you know, of, of this perfect world or whatever, this perfect situation, or, you know, it's just you and it's all business. When in actuality, you got little little gremlins running around your house. Let's let it be. Let, let your fans connect with you.
2: I loved, too, um, some of the – it was – I get it for the first round. The GMs kind of want to be by themselves uh have them families have their families not bother them but once but, but once once the first round ended and it got second third fourth rounds the gm celebrating with their families after these picks came in was awesome you never see that side of gms and i thought it was a i thought it was a, a, a switch that the nfl really needed the lions guy picked one guy in the third round and he started hugging and kissing his his daughter and son um and i thought that was I thought that was really cool, personally. I thought that was...
0: I'd rather... That's nice a, an aspect of the virtual draft, I think. You cannot replicate with a real-life draft. Yeah. That's something that, if, if they do a real-life draft, an in-person draft, it's not a real-life draft. Um, next year, that's something that we'll look back on in hindsight and say, that's something that we miss about this virtual draft. That's something that the virtual draft gave us that, you know, in-person draft just can never replicate. Yeah. Um, also, Aaron Rodgers. He was kind of he was kind of caught up in a lot and it, it all kind of started with being on on the Pat McAfee show with uh with AJ Hawk kind of doing a live stream live broadcast live reaction Pat, Mac- the-
2: Pat McAfee and AJ Hawk sounds dangerous together that sounds
0: <laughs> it's good it's, it's a good time AJ Hawk uh has a cigar problem he Dude. is all nicked up all the time Dude's just – dude, dude, you'll, he'll, he will started the draft in like a pretty haze-free room and then by the end of the first round, I mean, you could, you could barely see him. It was like he was, he was in the midst of a, of a wildfire. Uh, so they were, on the, they were on the show. And Aaron Rodgers said at some point when they were talking about, you know, how Rodgers sat behind Brett Favre, a Hall of Fame quarterback, for a few years um, before, you know, he got his opportunity and how he willingly did that and how that was such a great part, the, the, the most important part of his career. And how, you know, teams nowadays just kind of give their quarterbacks one shot to make a mark and don't really allow them to grow behind, uh, you know, talented starters, which to some degree I, I can see. I, I think that Rodgers' case is, is special. I think being behind somebody as, as legendary as Brett Favre is something that, you know, you're going to want to be there for a few years to try to soak up as much as you can. Um but you know, you see other situations like people behind Ben Roethlisberger. All these schmucks have gotten like Landry Jones, like uh, Mason Rudolph, who, who have been here for a few years. Like Josh Dobbs, who who had a couple chances to make a mark, didn't really do anything. They, could, they learned behind a great guy, didn't really work out. Yes, I just think that not many players who stick behind franchise quarterbacks for a few years really make a mark, um, and Aaron Rodgers is one of the few examples of that. Now, he said, quote, <clears throat> excuse my voice crack he said quote you don't see people waiting three years to play anymore and that's Rodgers to uh, Pat McAfee and A.J. Hawk and then lo and behold just a few picks later in the first round Green Bay Packers select quarterback Jordan Love
2: I don't hate this I don't, I don't hate the pick as much as other people's as much as other people do
0: um, people hate the pick because they say it's going to be a nightmare to to be behind Aaron Rodgers I can
2: see that. I think Rodgers is a lot more <clears throat> is a lot more of a diva than Brett Favre was.
0: Yeah, uh, Brett Favre yeah, wears I mean, Wrangler jeans. Yeah, yeah I diva?
2: mean, no, no, no. You know what I mean, though. Like Brett Favre. I know what you mean. Brett Favre never had a problem with uh with the Rodgers pick. He let it be whatever. Rodgers uh, always lets his mind be, you know. He always lets it be known what he's thinking. Um, Rogers is and, pretty egocentric. Yeah, and, he's, and I like Aaron Rodgers, but that's definitely a problem. Um, and, you know, but Rod- Rodgers is the type of guy where I was talking to my dad about this yesterday. He's the type of guy where it's like, I play, I retire, and then I don't care what happens to this team after I retire. It's like, you do it now for me, but the future I don't care about. And then, but, but it's like, but Aaron, this is a business, so we have to draft
1: Jordan Love. It's like, what? I don't care. That's kind of why I hate the pick, though, is because this team is very much in a win-now situation. Like, they went 13-3 and and made the NFC Championship last year. They're one game away from the Super Bowl. It was a fl-
0: I, we, I think I've talked about this before on, on, the, on the podcast earlier in the in, in in the existence of this podcast. Firmly believe that that was a fluke. Dylan can say, oh, my gosh, I predicted that he was the only person that thought the Packers were actually going to make the playoffs. Nah, 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 nah. Fuck off, Dylan. <laughs> It was, it was, they they oh, overachieved and so many facets. They won a bunch of super tight games that they probably shouldn't have won. Aaron Rodgers had, was, was very up and down at times last season. Uh, it was a fluke. They should have been 10-6. and six. They should have been fighting for a wild card spot. The Bears drastically underperformed. The Vikings were extremely inconsistent. The Lions, exactly, you know? I, I, well, also,
1: Well, also, they had De- uh, Devontae Adams get hurt for four to six weeks. Then, right, and
0: Aaron Jones turned out to be the second coming of Jesus. So, I don't know what <laughs> – Second coming I mean, of was, it was, it, was, it, was a, it was a lucky thing. I don't want to say lucky. I would say they were outperformed expectation.
1: I just think you draft players to build around Rogers that you can also transition into a future for the franchise. Like, if you draft an O-lineman or – like someone in the trenches, then you have you build up in positions of need that this Packers offense definitely needs. Like Bulaga, Bakhtiari, these are old dudes; yeah. they're gonna get hurt. I see like, it. Yeah.
2: Also, the the biggest strengths on the Packers offense is quarterback and running back, and that's the two positions they drafted. at. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I I the, for the reason the first reason that you don't like the pick is why I like the pick to avoid turnover and to avoid uh, a tank almost. Uh, like what you're seeing with the Giants, kind of right now, um, like they might have, you know, the Giants are
0: avoiding a tank. I think that they've no, no, no no, 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 no,
2: exactly, exactly. They are in the tank, so the, the Packers want to avoid the tank. Gotcha. So you you draft the quarterback and you let him develop, and then when Rodgers is done, you already have him,
0: you have him ready. Draft a replacement you like before your franchise quarterback turns into dog shit.
2: I don't mind it. Saying. I don't mind it. Yeah, the I don't. Man I don't. In
0: the dog shit I don't know. They stepped in the dog shit, and then they drafted Danny Dimes.
2: Yeah, I don't. Right, but I don't know if they should right. have done we're, it. We're in agreement. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if you do it first round, um, because Rogers is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league.
0: Unless they were I don't, I don't so sold, it. unless they were so sold on Jordan Love that they said going into the draft, if this dude's got Patty Mahomes potential, if like, this that's guy. His Is in, you know, our window at whatever is it, 25, pick 25 or whatever.
2: 26, yeah, I think. If
0: he is there, we take him no matter what unless, you know, these other playmakers are available. And imagine that those playmakers weren't available. A lot of those receivers I imagine that they thought may fall to them like Higgs who may have kind of projected to be more a later first-rounder than he was didn't fall and they said, well, we just there. there's nobody it, it would be too much of a reach to you know um to, to take another skill player at this position let's take this quarterback who we are really you know on i don't know i think i think it was it was a they they i agree with both of you they should have known who aaron Rodgers was as a player and they should have known that this could obviously cause some backlash yeah definitely like internally but they also say, well, Rogers was behind Favre for three years, Hall of Fame quarterback,
2: and now, a Hall of now, Fame quarterback. now Love
0: is going to be behind Rodgers, another Hall of Fame quarterback, for probably two to three, two to three years. Let's see uh, what happens. Now we're going to touch on a couple other things um, before we move move on to Nick Saban, the Neanderthal. But Don commented earlier that Rogers is going to or can be a player that you can see who, after his tenure with the Packers, can just move on. And say, I only want to focus on this team when I'm there, and then once the team's over, I don't give a shit. Do yeah. do whatever the hell you want. Don't plan for the future. It's all about me right now. Michael Wilbon, perhaps he agrees with you because he said,
2: "I like know, Michael Wilbon." Michael Wilbon guys on sports television. So
0: he said he can see Rogers in a Bears uniform.
2: That I don't I don't know about that, but actually, you know, I don't think I don't
0: you gotta make up your mind make a i don't
1: know the i don't know i don't
0: know i don't really know about that but you know i, I could kind of see it
2: but i don't really know like, it's just difficult to see because that's a right side of the coin it's just, um jimmy you go, jimmy, you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no i um i think that everyone in chicago would love to see that uh i don't know if i can see it personally but i think if the money is right and rogers is convinced that the bears have built a good team around the quarterback position which is Let's be honest. That team probably could be much yeah. better. Like their defense, they've got Khalil Mack, they've got uh, Eddie Jackson in the secondary. The biggest problem on that team is Trubisky. So, do they have,
2: do, do they have Trevathan, or is he in Denver?
1: Uh, he, I think they have him. He was on Denver before, and then they Trevathan. Went Trevathan's pretty good too. So, yeah, they like have a loaded stellar
0: defense. As we, as, I mean, that's as evident. Yeah, I just can't see it. And maybe it's because my franchise quarterback, he will never be in another AFC North team.
2: I mean, yeah, my franchise quarterback was never going to be on another NFC East team. Because he,
0: oh. he wasn't good enough to be on another Shut team. Shut That's not the...
1: <laughs> yeah, well, well, to go back to Don's point about Brett Favre being the ultimate, like, this is, this team into the future, like, supporting the team beyond him leaving. Like, he went to another... NFC North team. Yeah. The Vikings and Aaron Rodgers, as you pointed out is not that kind of guy. So I could just see him going wherever the grass is greener. Yeah, but he went, he went to
0: the Vikings after his jets tenure. So I mean, it was a little mm-hmm. bit of a gap.
1: It was a one year gap. Yeah. It, was, it
0: was a gap. It was a gap.
1: Was one, he took a gap here, <laughs> but it was, it
0: was a, it was a, it was a retirement gap retirement. I'm back. So sure. there was some, I don't think Rogers will, I don't think many people will ever go down the same route that Favre did. Um, but I don't think Rodgers can just buck the train and go to, the Bears no matter how much I don't think he is yeah. I don't think he has it in him to do that I think he thinks it would hurt his legacy if he went to the Bears and didn't perform well I think he's too concerned about his own legacy to do that I think he said my legacy is so important to me that I need to stick with one team the whole time because he's been through some pretty you know Poor years with 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 the, with yeah. the Packers Not and surrounded many, by some pretty poor players. Yeah, there was a window after like they, the, yeah. the, the the driver. Um, yeah, They're, those teams. The Jordy Nelson players. era. Yeah, yeah. he kind of had that bad, you know, the, the 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 bad flyers on Jimmy Graham. Yeah, you know, the the Randall Cobb looking like he's 400 years old kind of era. He, well, he he went through that, knowing he would come out the other side. I don't think he's going to, you know, hop ship. Uh, moving out to a team I'm going to call Las Vegas because I can – I'm going to keep saying it until it becomes natural, but I know it probably will it's never. So it's so weird. so weird. Their first-rounder quick is a quick thing. Cornerback Damon Arnett, he celebrated being the 19th overall pick by sending a, a video or posting it to Instagram or Twitter or something. I didn't really know where it came from. I saw it on Reddit of him in front of a um, – Place called Pleasure Place, Pleasure Palace, something like that, which is an adult store.
2: Very nice, Damon Arnett. It is an
0: xxx store right, right in front of there, like in the parking lot. It was his car, like parked right up against the uh, the building. That was odd, but it just seems like he's going to fit right into Las Vegas. (laughs) It seems like he he just gonna he's going to slide right in there, pun intended, and and fit really nicely fit nice and snug into that city. I don't know if that's a good thing. They also drafted about 400 wide receivers. They have like a thousand picks and they uh, drafted hey. 400 wide receivers. I like it. No exaggeration. I like it. They covered all their bases. One of those dudes yeah. I saw was, you know, uh, deep threat. One of those dudes was a, 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 a in the box. Um, Henry, you know, they drafted Henry. I was yeah. Henry rugs. Was, was a else. five, eight, was a five, eight slot dude. So, I mean, they kind of, they got their bases covered. I just think that's a risk to 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 kind of take all those guys and kind of with the expectation that they're going to perform. They're going they're going to get significant play time this first year. Well, or when John Gruden,
2: when John Gruden's your head coach, a lot of thoughts go through his head. Yeah, right. So
0: I mean, you can just end the sentence there when you got John Gruden as your coach. A lot of thoughts go through his head. That's it. Yeah, that's it. You know, we, <laughs> whether they're good yeah. or bad is is really something we haven't figured out yet. Uh, but a lot of thoughts go through. This other dude's head, uh, Brett Veach, who is the GM for the Kansas City Chiefs. He said, regarding like, the first first round that he's drafted for the Chiefs, uh, he texted Pat and said, give me a name. Don't think about it. With their 30 with their some oh, pick. I didn't know this. And Pat said, Clyde. And Veach said, we're good. Go on to pick uh, Clyde. Don't remember his last name, and those initials are C E H.
2: The LSU. Um, I think that's field that's
0: field. interesting to kind of be on the same page. To be on the same page with um, a quarterback like that, where it's just kind of like a little bit of telepathy there. That that's when you kind of know that that partnership's going to last a while. Like I I can I'm always going to tie back to the team I know the best. Um, but you got Roethlisberger and their GM Kevin Colbert who have just been working very well together and kind of been on the same page for you know fifteen some odd years. And this is the start of a new one, where you have Veach who's like in his young forties, early forties, and Pat, who's about what he's like twelve years old or something. I mean, they're they're gonna they're gonna be going around for a while. That could be a fifteen year partnership, that just creates, dare I say it, a dynasty. And I hate I hate that word because it reminds me of of the Patriots, but could, Chiefs could very well be the next one. The Eagles just
2: Jimmy the Eagles. Speaking of the Eagles. Eagles just traded for Marquise Goodwin. We, wait, were wait.
1: Never,
0: we were never speaking on the Eagles.
2: but From yeah, you, San Francisco.
1: Uh, I know who it is, but like, who, what, do we, what do we trade? I don't know. I
2: just got that okay. thing. Interesting. Anyways. Jeez.
1: Anyways, back to Veach.
2: Back to how the um, Eagles messed up and drafted Jalen Hurts. Sorry. <laughs> had to say it. Had to run that it.
0: We will. Jimmy can come back for that one, but uh, we're, we'll talk <laughs> about that next week. We'll talk about that next week in a, in a more in-depth version. <laughs> Last thing with regard to the draft. Jerry Judy. Uh, nice. Fits right, fits perfectly into that Cowboys. You well, know, he thing. didn't get drafted
2: I, by the Cowboys, so CeeDee Lamb got drafted. C.D. Lamb, the Cowboys. sorry,
0: thank you. Jerry, Jerry Judy, mile
2: high. Jerry Judy, Denver Broncos. I heard, Bronco. I
0: heard, I heard Jerry Judy. I knew one of them. One of, I had a joke about him and, and Joe Flacco, um, but Joe Flacco's not there either. This is a whole, a whole kerfuffle I'm going to right now. I hear Jerry Judy. I see Jerry Jones, and it, it seems like that should be a match made in heaven. And based off all the hoo-ha that Jerry's been saying over Twitter, I think that'd be even, even more perfect. Did you guys see this?
1: Well, Jerry Judy's asking the right questions, bitch. Yeah. You, okay, you saw it. Uh, I'm, so the, I'm glad you saw it. I, I sent you the Twitter thread.
0: I saw that so much earlier than you did. I don't even know what you're talking about. I probably saw that. <laughs> I saw that uh, on August 7th, 2013 is when I saw it. Oh yeah, day, after, okay. day, day after he posted it out. All, right, asked yeah. all, the, all the real questions um, about Big Bird. <laughs> do we want to go down the list or, or is that something that we don't want to do? Uh, no questions. Well, my, my
2: favorite one is what if you see Big Bird and Barney slap boxing?
0: What if you see <laughs> Big Bird fucking Elmo? What That's... if you see Big Bird and Barney slap boxing? What if you see Big Bird walk to you and ask for $5 so he could buy a bag? What if you see Big Bird walk up to you and ask where Sesame Street at? Which I think is great. If if, if Big Bird <laughs> did that, um, what if you see Big Bird juking in the club to Harper, <laughs> which is a very 2013 thing to say? What if you see Big Bird robbing an old lady? What if you see? What if Big Bird did a drive by? Now I was a big big Sesame Street kid. I love I like Sesame Street too. I Cookie Monster was my dude. I'm a big Elmo guy personally, but lo- you because you look like it. But you know I, I look, like that, Omo you look like an Elmo guy. Look like Elmo? You both got you both gingers. You both, you both are egocentric. Oh, whoa, whoa, you whoa! Both, you both, you both spaz
2: out sometimes. I would definitely not consider myself egocentric. You both
1: a man drawing but... pictures with crayons in your closet. Yeah. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, we'll You, go bo- you both.
0: You both. You both. Uh, you know, you get you get tickled, and you and you sing a song. You know, it's all those things. <laughs> <laughs> it's. I I think at dawn. I think I tickle Miyamoto.
1: Oh Christ. Uh, I'm not in a nutshell. Gonna, I'm in I'm a not nutshell. Speak for the rest but when I think when
0: I think of Jerry Judy, I didn't think of Big Bird, but he kind of made me think of Big Bird as you know some somebody that maybe I just don't know the real Big Bird. Maybe Jerry Judy knows the real Big Bird. And seven years ago, he was letting us into to what Big Bird actually does. Well, not not telling us directly, but just saying, hey, you know, what if Big Bird did this? when he actually did that. These are all things that he's done. Big bird, the guy who the guy who who did the whole Big Bird uh, puppet master, the guy inside, what do they call that? Kind of the costume guy? The the operator? I don't know. Whatever. Dude inside Big Bird. What if he he did all that stuff? <laughs> what if he what if what if,
2: what if what if Jerry Judy is that person?
0: What if Jerry Judy went on a crazy at what a crazy uh, acid trip? And <laughs> He he and Big Word had it had a now a he's gonna be
2: now he's gonna be in Colorado.
0: So that's a whole it's he's, he's where he needs
1: he's right where he needs to be to be. He's where he needs to be.
0: Great pick though.
1: Great pick. Great
2: pick. Better Twitter. Great pick.
0: <laughs> you know who isn't where he needs to be? Nick Saban. Nick Saban needs to be in four thousand BC. That'd be that'd be where he should be. He'd be, he'd be living life great. There's a, little, you know. there's a little rhyme right there, Zig. Nick's, I mean, that's what they call me. Call me Zigzag. Uh, Nick Saban terrible. apparently was, has was, never oh sent a text before. Which doesn't I surprise me. I did, it doesn't surprise me, but I didn't know about this. I, haven't, I didn't hear about yeah. this until I, I saw the notes that you put up here, Don.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, Nick Saban went on the Dan Patrick Show, which is another podcast. And uh, I'm surprised Nick I Saban. it was a show. I'm surprised Nick Saban actually goes on these types of shows um, and yes, answers. Do, do these you think questions. he doesn't
0: know what these show like what the podcast is? Do you think he doesn't know what? I don't know. It's
2: just, he's not an engaging person.
0: He just seems um, like the kind of guy that sits around his radio at night.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, so, and, and he started talking about how he just started using email, which is even more stunning. Um, and that whenever he gets a text, he will call that person to reply instead of texting that person back. Hey, honey, what do you want from the store? Calls that person to tell them what they want Is from the store. The list? Yeah. What type of milk do you want? Calls that person. <laughs> tells them what type of milk you want. Cow. Yeah, cow milk.
0: I, I just, I don't, how did, how did you make it this far as one of the best, if not the best college football coaches in the country? without using technology did you because did he hires just, because because he has the, the best just, staff in the country did everybody else just do the work for him
2: pretty much but then but
0: how much input did he actually have then is he just he's just working with the right people like do you think this takes away from what we perceive nick saban to be doing no he's off the, like how, how because how much is he really involved in the stuff that's off the field if he can't uh, use technology. I mean,
2: I mean he's, he's very involved he just, because he spends hours on end at his office at Bama.
0: Or, he, yeah, oh. he spends hours at ends writing letters because he doesn't use email. <laughs> That's why he's there. Well, or,
2: or he just watches the tape and then he has other so, people. No, I,
0: I mean, no, yeah. I'm not trying to take away from, from his on-field uh, prowess. Nobody is. But I see other coaches who are making so many home visits who are doing welfare checks and calls. And, and I, I, apparently Nick Saban doesn't do that. Or he just does it through, like Telegrams. Like I don't know what yeah. he uses to get in contact with these players.
2: I also like I I, I put in to... here in the doc. I wouldn't be surprised if he needed to send a text. He had someone else do it for him. I the,
0: that's where I think it is. Is he Nick Saban is the kind of guy who I would think has a personal secretary.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: Just ha- not because he's at the point where he has so much going on. He needs people to keep track of his schedule, but because he. Just literally cannot do these remedial tasks that you know we 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 are second second nature to us now. He lives and he lives you know in in two millennia ago.
2: Yeah, and and this also completely. I watched the Bill Belichick Nick Saban doc HBO documentary a few months ago. Uh, total snooze fest, and it's just this. When I heard this, it everything made sense. Just, ever, just after watching that, it made total sense as to why. Like, he, these two, he like, he's never sent a text before. Because these two just are on the same wavelength with everything. And of not yeah. using
0: technology. Do you think Bill <laughs> Belichick be a good college football coach?
2: Not yes. as good as Saban. Which is Sa- hard to Sa- Saban, at
0: his time in the NFL, didn't do well. Didn't do well, really, at all. But has, you know, he, he, he's going to stick around the college football until the day he dies, I would imagine, because he is the college football coach. Yeah. Belichick
2: he's- would be a fine, I think, because of his success in the NFL. I think he'd be a fine college coach, but he wouldn't be Saban, which is hard to match, but he wouldn't be saving don't, I don't know if
0: he'd be great. I just I just think, I mean, at the end of the day, I, I, now, now I'm second-guessing myself, because... New England has had a lot has had a rotating cast of pers- players and personnel. Right. Right. Which is very college football esque. It seems like every few years players are leaving and going, they're picking up schmucks off the streets, which are essentially just walk-ons. You know, yeah, see yeah, Chris the, one, Hogan.
1: the one constant though is like he's had Tom Brady since ninety nine. Yeah, that, like, so that's that's the big thing.
0: Do you so that's what, do you think he wouldn't translate? Because Nick Saban seems like he can adapt a little bit better.
1: I think that the adaptability thing, like Belichick has adapted to the, throughout the NFL, like to the new style of game. Like they've been a playoff team pretty much every year, except for the one Matt Castle year when they still went 11 and 5. They've been a playoff team every year for like the better part of two decades. So I think that Belichick would not have a problem translating to the uh, college game. The only difference is that the turnover rate would probably be a much bigger shakeup than the actual game itself. Sure. Do
0: you think that over the next few years when we see, you know, the Patriots move on to the next, the next, you know, act of their existence, if if they still have this continued success, does that just, just put in stone, Bill Belichick can just make anything happen with whatever band of misfits he's got. Yes. yes. If he I'm takes just- Jared Stidham to the playoffs.
2: Yeah. He can do whatever. Yeah.
0: It's just stupid. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, this is just, it's it's just Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer. Are they drafted the quarterback yet?
2: Uh, no, but they they I wouldn't be surprised if they took someone like Jake Fromm if he's available. Sign Cam Newton?
0: Uh, yeah, there's been a whole there's been speculations about Newton and, and Jameis, but I don't think Jameis would ever get Trade for get. Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> there's a whole thing we could go into that for another time. For another time all right, Dom, give us a lay down about the Red Sox and what they have tied into these Astros scandal and whether or not their punishment that they got recently from MLB should be warranted.
2: Um, so the Astros um, bench coach, when they won the World Series and did most of their cheating, was Alex Cora, who got later hired, who was later hired by the Red Sox to be their manager and then led them. To the 2018 World Series title, and it came out that the Red Sox were cheating in a manner in which they were going into the replay room. Um, I and Jimmy, correct me if I'm wrong. It it was everywhere, but it might have only been at Fenway. Um, I'm not sure. Um, I can
1: I don't know for sure. I'm pro, I'd be safe to assume just at Fenway.
2: Okay. Um. So they they would go into the replay room and their replay room operator, who's JT Watkins, who we'll get into in a second. Um, was basically giving them the signals of what the you know, pitcher was going to throw. And this was only when runners were on second base. Um, so it, it's in, here in this LA Times article, it said, Watkins provided Boston players with a pregame scouting report that included information on the opposing team's signs by viewing the broadcast feed in real time. Watkins could detect an updated sign sequence so that a runner on second base could be alerted and could in turn alert the batter about what pitch to expect. So that's what he did. And the Red Sox punishment came out a few days ago. Alex Cora has been, was fired by the Red Sox, but he was suspended for the entire 2020 season. If there is a 2020 season, but only for his conduct with the Astros and not with the Red Sox, the Red Sox were stripped of a second round pick in a very shortened 2020 draft, which I also want to get into and JT Watkins uh, has been suspended for the entirety of the 2020 season. And this is just a slap on the wrist. Um, this punishment, basically. Um, what the Red Sox did is not nearly as bad as what the Astros did. I think we can all agree on that. Um, but this is definitely just a slap on the wrist. I think it's, I mean, they got punished, which is like fine. Um, but at least suspend Alex Cora for his conduct with the Red Sox and not just with the Astros. I think they're
0: trying to – Manfred's trying to just add a little bit more to the asterisk punishment in a different way. Saying We're tying this back. We're sure. spending him because of the asterisk thing too. So remember uh, that asterisk thing, how I didn't put enough punishment? Well, here's here's some more shit. To, sure, to on and it's still not enough. Maybe.
2: It's not, even yeah. close. it's not even close to enough. I don't really – I'm kind of over all this – Cheating and punishment stuff. I want it to be. Yeah, I want it to be over with. I'm happy they got punished. I wish I got punished more, but it's whatever to me. Um, The thing that I think is a lot more important than other people don't realize is that when we talked about a few weeks, a few weeks ago, the MLB draft is is usually 40 rounds. This next MLB draft is going to be five. The Red Sox are losing a pick in just a five round draft, and their farm system is already like incredibly depleted. So this is a lot more this this part of the punishment has a lot more um you know oomph to it as you know as, as that people don't think it is. Um I think that people are forgetting that. Um and another thing I saw something where uh David Ortiz and and Alex Rodriguez were talking about the Red Sox punishment on Twitter, and I just thought it was completely ir- ironic that two cheaters were talking about cheating, and then Big Poppy says that the the punishment wasn't fair. Um, it was just like total, just like bias by him. Um, but yeah, they they definitely could have gotten punished more. Um, I think Manfred just wants to get this all over with. Um, I think I he think should have done more. Worst,
0: that's the worst thing yeah. could have taken. Yeah, at this point, when he knows he's in too deep, just to try to push it under the push it under the bed.
2: Yeah, he definitely could have. They definitely could have gotten punished
0: more. I, I, I think. I think that. I don't know. I, I, I think this. This is the the biggest stain. This is this is, only adding to the stain that's on his tenure. Right. His reaction to the Red Sox. And and they
2: should not have gotten what the Astros punishment was by any means. But they no. it
1: should have been more than this. But that was the problem: is that the Astros punishment was so light relative to what they did that. We knew the Red Sox had cheated. Well, they didn't know, but we could assume because of Alex Cora's connection to both teams. And then also the Apple Watch fiasco in 2017, 2018. Yeah. Yeah. But like, if you give such a light punishment to the Astros, you can't give the Red Sox any more than this. Because you've already already handcuffed yourself.
2: And I just want to play devil's advocate here um, for a second. But it it seems like a lot of teams are kind of doing something similar to what the Red Sox are doing in terms of cheating. Do you think that Manfred knows it and is giving them a a much minor punishment because he knows other teams are doing it and is hoping or sent out a private memo to stop doing this or or there will be harsher punishments?
1: I don't like that theory, not because – I don't agree with that necessarily but because it makes me sad because if you just punish the the Red Sox or the Astros legitimately like with a, more sanctions or a heftier punishment then teams will not do it. Like right now the precedent is oh the Astros cheated they lost 5 million dollars and four draft picks over the course of whatever and their manager and GM got suspended but they still have a title. Like an yeah. owner would for sure, trade that for a title. Yeah. I,
2: mean, no, I, I, I agree I with you. These, I agree with you. I just thought of it in, in that sense. I don't think the
0: MLB would want to... Well, say they know that other teams are kind of doing this, you know, this not-so-great form of cheating, if we're going to, to call it that. Say, say they, have, they have some inkling yeah. that this is going on with other teams. The amount of effort and money that they probably would lose... By put doing an investigation into all these other teams as well. So much. Like Jim said, they have to set an example with this. Yeah. Right. If if they had belief that there were other teams that were doing this and they needed to use the Red Sox because that was the one that they, you know, kind of intrinsically had to investigate. They needed to use them as an example, right? Of hey, this is what could happen if you get caught. Um it all started it, it they they shot MLB and Manfred shot themselves in the foot or they took off their whole leg. Rather with the with the Astros reaction. Because it like you said, it made their reaction to this Red Sox scandal, which could you know be affecting other teams or could, could have tie-ins to other teams, it makes that punishment nowhere near as severe or as you know as as big as it needs to be to dissuade other teams from doing this. Exactly. Anyway, John Boy has J O M B O Y fantastic um personality. He has another great Recap and deep dive. He's kind of the guy who pushed this into the light, right? Yeah. This whole astro scandal, and now yeah. he has his thoughts on on the Red Sox reactions that do align a lot with ours. But you know, I we do we do want to say do check those out. Uh, absolutely fantastic. I know I said earlier in the introduction of one Jimmy Maurer, dude, dude has got some thoughts about the shift and uh, Anthony Rizzo satirically you know, in, in jest, pleaded with Fauci and Manfred, uh, Dr. Fauci, to make the shift illegal due to social distancing guidelines. Obviously a satire, but I feel like there's an inkling of him. Because Rizzo, there was, there was a period of time where he, based on his positioning, was, had a secondary position of second base yeah. because how far off of, of first he was. Yep. Jim, you got thoughts about, you got thoughts about these
1: shifts? Uh, my first, I, my original thought to the shift, like this is me in high school was I hate the shift. It's not baseball. <laughs> and over the course of the last four or five years, I've thought, nah, these hitters are good enough to where if you're going to shift against them, one, you can drop a bunt down the third baseline. If you're a lefty pull hitter, first baseline, if you're a righty pull hitter or like hit against the shifts. Like Ted Williams was getting shifted on back in the forties and the fifties, and he still was a great hitter. And I don't think it's killing baseball. I think it's just Defenses have to adapt in this new uh, power-hitting, slugging era of a baseball or of era of the MLB.
0: So you're not you're not forward against. You just you understand it, but it still bugs you.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of just a, I don't know. It's just. You think it's cheap? I don't think it's cheap. It's just it doesn't look like baseball, and it's a little frustrating when like oh you see your team. Like you see, your you see Bryce Harper hit a line drive up the middle. Yeah. But this set the shortstop is playing behind second base, and he it's, snags. It's it. annoying. It's do annoying. Do you feel yeah.
0: Do you feel old when you say that? And by that, I mean, do you feel like when you when you said you said you said some lines like it doesn't look like baseball?
1: Yeah. That's oh, the argument like old that old
0: heads use for against against bat flips. That's not baseball. That's not baseball. Yeah. You don't move the infield around. That's not baseball.
1: Yeah. No, I feel like an old head. I'm balding. You know, it's completely <laughs> legit. Like. I get that I sound like an old man, but it's just like, it's just because when I've played baseball, I was in little league in middle school, and we never did stuff like that. Not because like you know analytics and whatever weren't yeah. a thing in middle yeah, school.
0: The, those little league analytics, those Mustang analytics. I got it's
1: it's just not a part of what I grew up watching, really. Sure. And it's just a new thing that I'm getting used to. But I'm okay, I'm okay with it. I don't really mind. I think but.
0: I think when when people say when players or commentators or whoever says why don't there's this whole side of the infield open just just hit it there. Get better. Stop being one. Stop being a, a strictly pull hitter. Strictly, a strictly push hitter. Yeah. I, I drew it on the side of that. Like when we, 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 can, we, we tied in the Frisbee. Dude, if this dude can only throw a flick Donovan, let's for, or no, not Donovan, Gunner, then let's, let's just force a backhand. It just, it shafts him. You need to learn to throw a backhand. You'll be fine. Exactly. I, I think, I think. Like anything Thank else, you. Thank I, you for not using me as an example. There's, a, there's anything else <laughs> I would have used two years ago. You as an example, but um, <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I
0: can't do it nowadays. Uh, I think that there's there's a, everything has a is a pendulum, right? It's it's swing, swinging this side where it's favoring heavy shifts, but once you know people figure out, um, you know how to easily beat the shifts, whether it goes into more bunts, whether it goes into you know switching more so than they already are, who's in the lineup on any given day. I think I think it'll it'll swing back to the other side and people will favor shifts less sometime in the future.
1: Yeah, and similarly, like, last – or two years ago in the NFL when Lamar Jackson and the Ravens were tearing up on the ground game and they were running all over teams, but then the Chargers came in and adapted and shut them down in the playoffs with that seven uh, secondary set or, like, seven people from the secondary playing on the field at one time. Um, Yeah. You see, like, Lamar had to adapt and become a great passer this last season. People
0: are going to have to try things. And there's going to be a lot of failures. But exactly. I think eventually, when something sticks, it's just going to, you know, percolate like a, like a fine wine. It's going to go, go everywhere, and it's going to infect the air that all these MLB teams are breathing. I don't know where that analogy came from. But <laughs> uh, well, let's move on. This is quick. The NHL came out and said they want to continue playing hockey. They want to finish out the season. That's fair. I, I understand why, for many reasons. But they, they don't really have any direction about how they're going to do that over the past week. They haven't really figured out what they're going to do with that. They've only figured out what they're not going to do.
2: Well, right. some, some new stuff just came out, like, literally. Brand new. Like, as, is like, like two minutes ago. As of recording. Um, I'm reading this from The Athletic. Uh, the yada, yada, yada. Pierre Lebrun po- reported that the NHL is vetting 12 of its markets for use as hub cities to play out the remainder of the regular season should the league get the okay from government and health officials to resume play. Um, no fans. So, yeah, no fans. Um, the city, it, these are some of the requirements. The host city could not be a hotspot for COVID. Uh, the chosen arenas would need at least four NHL caliber dressing rooms so that as many as three games could be played per day and the league would have to sanitize the rooms. If the games are played without fans in attendance, it's possible, it's possible the league could construct makeshift dressing rooms in other parts of the arena. The arenas would need practice facilities nearby. Um, there would need to be suitable four- or five-star hotels nearby to house the players, and sharing an arena with an NBA team is not ideal.
0: It seems more and more feasible to have this happen with with the with the prospect of things opening back up again, whether or not you feel like it should or should not happen, we're not going to touch on that. We're just going to say that say it is happening. It seems more feasible. This is that this is a viable plan. Let's just try to cram as much as we can into a few cities. Let's try to you know be you know sanitize as best we can, keep everybody safe. Let's finish out the season. They must have behind the scenes obviously have weighed cost wise. How much money are we going to make from doing this? versus how much is it going to cost to pay for these hotels for all the teams to um, yeah. sanitize and pay personnel and pay, you know, for the stadiums to run almost 24 seven is what it seems like. It seems like they're going to be running almost nonstop. There, there must, there, there, I don't know what the margin is, but I can't imagine that they're going to make so much more money by opening up the season than by shutting it down. I imagine it's pretty close, but they're still saying, well, we're going to make a couple dollars. And it's still yeah. probably worth it. Yeah, uh,
2: but I don't. Part yeah. of
0: me isn't a fan of this of this cram this this crammed schedule.
2: Yeah, I'm not. the The more that this stuff is coming out, it just seems desperate. And as much as I want live sports to come back, and as much as I want champions to be, you know, given trophies and and playoffs to happen and there to be drama. I don't want this to feel it feels
0: like it's ass. cramped.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't want this to feel and you know, Dylan would probably have some other thoughts on it. I don't definitely. know if he would.
0: I'd love to hear his thoughts too. I want to hear Jim's thoughts as well yeah. about what whether you are a fan of potential half-assed sports where it's just not the entire experience and it's just cramped and it feels rushed. The whole thing feels rushed and the operation feels feels just a little bit off. Yeah. But it still it still happens, right? I mean, Versus the, just kind of not Maybe at an extreme, nullifying the season, right? Or crowning just a regular season champers. On, I don't know. A lot of options in that sense. But looking forward to next season and starting like normal for next season.
1: I, I think that's what they should do. Um, Not just in the NHL, but in all leagues. Like They were saying how baseball wanted to put some of those spring training results into the season for this year to make yeah. up for a lot of games. And the second I heard that, I was like, just cancel the fuck you're trying yeah. to, you're
0: just, just trying too hard it.
1: like people we like for me at this point for me it's just i don't care who wins each game or like who wins at the end of the season i just want to see a game and um i want it to be on like feeling normal i don't want it to feel like this we have to get this in to like make up for the season like i'm okay with a shortened season if it makes sense. But if not, if it's not safe to do anything, don't do it.
0: Odd thought, I know the NBA was talking about, I know you guys know the NBA was talking about having that in-season bracket, that in-season tournament, trying to kind of create that idea. What if, just pops in my mind, they did that instead, where they they based off for the NHL, for, for NHL, maybe even the NBA. Um, maybe even the MLB, if that, if that's, I mean, I don't think the won't be, it'll stretch that far. I think we won't be able to make it happen with the actual shortened season that isn't crammed. Um, uh, well, it, where they, where they, where they thought, they said, okay, let's take the current rankings and it is, it is, it is, you know, uh, single elimination. It's true. You're, you're talking,
2: you're talking NHL.
0: They take all the teams. NHL and NBA. See, those are the ones uh, that are affected.
2: Uh, the NA. No, they should just cancel the regular season and do the playoffs. Um oh. there's too many teams like the New Jersey Devils out there who have just had terrible seasons that they're just not worth it anymore. Like why like why should they sure. be competing in a playoff type setting when they're Okay, then
0: then let's refine that. <laughs> refine that to to just the playoff teams currently. Do you think they should try to jam the schedule if they if they have to? Cram finish, the schedule.
2: Finish the right just just do the playoffs. Playoffs, but like, if do you think if they're, they're gonna, gonna time, do it, if they're gonna, do they do they're do gonna anything. have time
0: for seven game series. No, I don't think so. No, I they think they're gonna, they might. I don't even know if they'll have time for five game series.
2: They they would also have to sanitize the locker room and the arenas after every single That's one what of I'm those saying.
0: games. So, so, I'm it's it's just so much effort and so much time and so much waste. Yeah. For for something that, in the end of the day, we can we can just scrap the season, move on to the next season. It Happened in the past can't read anything about it and and even if you win the championship yes you still win the championship i know we talked about this last week it's not going to feel it's going to feel like you won and you're going to be happy you won but it's different
1: yeah shout out astros fans (laughs) it's different
0: yeah yeah. that's that's different in another sense that's different yeah Yeah, what else is going to be different european soccer i'm going to (sighs) speak about european soccer for about five minutes here because oh, Dylan's funny. on the show and I can do what I want with Dylan. Well, this is show. very important. i not, not Dylan's <laughs> not like my, controlling me or anything. That's, I made it sound weird like that. Dylan's but, controlling, uh, Dylan, controlling Dylan. Cycling. Dylan has outbursts when I talk about soccer. There's a couple important things that have bigger ramifications. The Dutch league, Eri Divisie, has canceled the season. The leaders, Ajax, were not awarded the 2019 20 title. Um, it, is, it is up to UEFA. The overseeing body for all of Europe, European soccer, to determine how the international or the the continental competitions get factored in, depending on leagues where they're going to pull teams from. Um, But they weren't awarded. The the season's over, and they're going to, you know, kind of look into next season. While that kind of sucks, it seems like the season was essentially a lost cause. It's a safe option, and I'm not. I'm not opposed to it. Now the La Liga. Has done something different, which has its own issues, but I kind of get it. Where they're saying, "Okay, we're not going to scrap the season. Um, we're going to restart the season, hopefully at some point, but we're not going to have fans in stadiums until 2021." So that's even even when the next season starts, we won't have fans. But once 2021 comes around, we're going to look to try to bring fans back in.
2: And it I think it won't
0: feel like a rush schedule or anything, which I think is a no. big thing. This this is both both situations are alleviating. But, I don't know. I don't know if, if soccer without the fans, it's just things without those fans is just different. If you can't have fans, what's the point?
2: Yeah, and I think it's important to note for the Dutch uh, league, I can't pronounce it, Eredivisie, um, Eredivisie that the, the Dutch prime minister canceled all public and private events in the Netherlands, even those behind closed doors, until September. So, yeah. so they really had no choice here. Um, so well,
0: it's not on the league. It, it, yeah. it, it this, this is all stuff is that is it's a government decision. Yes, it um, has to be. It has to be.
2: Yeah, but yeah, and then the Bundesliga, go for it.
0: So the Bundesliga is not a tricky situation where all the teams agreed to start the league back up. I think it was like May ninth ish, like first sec- second week of 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 Mar- of March of May. But that is pending the approval from the like the the German equivalent of the CDC um, and the German, you know, governmental authorities and and whatnot, which in in all actuality, they probably won't approve of it to have that kind of turnaround in two to three weeks. Um, Probably, you know, if that gets pushed off might be something that we're looking at June, but those teams all agreed at the, I don't think because they care about their players or their safety. I think it's because of the money that they would lose through TV deals and whatnot. I think that's very, very selfish for all the teams to be like, yeah, we're, we want to play now. We want to we start playing again.
2: It's incredibly selfish. Whether,
0: whether, they, whether they, yeah. they, you know, put rose-colored glasses on, whatever the heck that are saying is, and, and, and say, oh, well, it's for the fans. It's, it's to give them you know, the sport again. It's because we miss soccer. It's because we want the players to play. It's because, you know, we want to get into Europe or whatever. Whatever stupid reason. It's putting players at risk where Germany is in, it still was a hotbed. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think and that's a late, a late hotbed too. I think that's poor on. It's just, it just looks poor on, on all the teams for, for making that decision. I think they can say if they made a the decision, yes, we still want the season to happen whenever it does. But the, the fact they put a date on it, if we'd be good to open the season, May 9th, this is the soonest we'd be, we'd be good to go. I just it's dangerous. I just, I just dangerous. think that's, that's selfish. Yeah. That's selfish. So what did we learn today? Other than the fact that the Bundesliga teams are selfish and that Jimmy actually doesn't really have that strong of opinions on infield uh, shifts, as I initially commented when I talked about him. Is he just I, wanted has, to be, I wanted
1: to restrain myself, you know? I don't I want wanna... to restrain myself. All right, well, yeah. we'll have
0: you. Well, we'll take off the leash next time you're on. Other okay. than the fact that Nick Saban isn't the Anderstol and him and Bill Belichick are just mirror images of each other in different leagues.
2: It's so cringy watching them interact. As,
0: well as, <laughs> as well as 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 well the NFL draft was a shamble was a mess but there are aspects that we probably are going to miss next year
2: the nfl draft is what it always is it was a hot it mess it yeah. was a
0: hot mess so was this episode anyway this is <laughs> this is donnie jimmy <laughs> look at that <laughs>
1: there
0: we go we'll see you on the flip side thanks for listening follow us on our socials sorry at underscore cherry on instagram and twitter and anyway, you see on the flip side Alrighty, um, I'll edit that today, tomorrow. it'll be a Monday.